1: Okay, I want to start off by saying that I do not really believe in strange creatures from the abyss, and I am not a huge fan of looking for Bigfoot. I am just a regular guy who saw something that I can't explain. I just want to know if this is something that maybe someone else has seen. I was driving down Route 20 in Northborough, Massachusetts at around 2 a.m. one night in 2007. My girlfriend at the time was in the car with me. When we reached a more wooded area, I saw two animals crossing the road. Both of them stopped and turned to look at my oncoming car. When I saw them, I turned on my high beams, thinking they were deer. After a brief moment, they both took about two steps and cleared the road and were in the woods. I looked at my girlfriend, who looked back at me and said, Did you see that? Those were not deer. We made a few jokes about it and ended up calling them the things on Route 20. They had fur on them that was the length of a deer, rarely short, except the fur was black. Height would be about seven feet tall. Their eyes were reflective, like when a cat looked at you from the dark. The head was deer, like except they had ears that pointed upwards. I know I am going to get flamed for the next part, but they were standing upright on their back legs like a human would. It's difficult to describe what their legs looked like, but the closest thing that I can say they resembled was what a wolf's back legs looked like, where only the ends of the paws were touching the ground, and the ankle was off of the ground. Place your feet under your chair so that only your toes are flat against the floor. Have you heard of something similar to this, so I can try to research it further? Let me start off by saying my husband is native and this happened about six years before I met him. My ex-husband was stationed in San Diego and I flew out there to visit him. Unfortunately, I wasn't allowed to stay with him on the base for whatever reason. Don't ask me cause I don't even know myself. Also I should add I had just given birth about three months before this and I had my son with me. Anyway, I found a hotel that wasn't far from the base and close to food and whatnot. I went out to get some food and then walked back to the hotel since it wasn't far. Unfortunately with my horrible sense of direction I got lost and ended up near a wooded area. But there was a highway also nearby. It was getting close to sunset and I started seeing sets of shining eyes and I thought they were just coyote. I'm not afraid of much. After about twenty minutes one set of shining eyes got closer and I saw it was a coyote. I watched Steve Irwin as a teenager and remembered that if you make yourself appear bigger and louder than you actually are, they will usually run off. So I started clapping my hands and shouting. This one, however, didn't. It stood up. and started walking like a person. i have never run away from something so fast. It never followed me and I wasn't going to stick around to find out what it was. It wasn't until I met my current husband that I found out what it was, and the look on his face when I told him this story, he went pale. He never said anything, he just kind of nodded like he understood. Maybe it knew I was still semi-healing from having recently given birth, or it saw my son in the stroller I was pushing and just wanted to scare me. Either way, I don't know. I just know it succeeded in scaring me. This isn't really a question— It's more or less me telling the story of how I saw a skinwalker and didn't even know what it was at the time. My parents' house was always a place of comfort for me, a sanctuary until the day my grandmother passed away, my mother being the oldest inherited the family bible. It was an ancient tome filled with brittle pages of scripture and, oddly enough, locks of hair from generations past. None of the hair was labeled. The identities of their owners lost time. Things started to change in the house after the Bible came into our possession. It began with the light switches. We'd walk into a room only to find the lights turned off when we were certain they'd been left on. We shrugged it off as faulty wiring or forgetfulness. When my divorce was finalized, my two children and I moved into my parents' home. One night, while my children slept soundly in their beds, I was startled awake by a peculiar sensation. I could feel a pressure on the bed, as though someone was sitting on the edge. The blankets were taut, the mattress creaked under the weight. I sat up, looking around the dimly lit room, but found nothing, and brushed it off as a dream, a figment of my overactive imagination. But it happened again, and again. Every time, it was the same, the sensation of someone sitting on the bed, the mattress groaning under the phantom weight. I checked on my two-year-old each time, expecting to find him out of his bed, but he was always sound asleep. The incident shook me, but I kept them to myself, not wanting to worry my children or parents. It wasn't until my sister came to visit that I realized I wasn't alone in my experiences. She'd been staying in the upstairs room, and one day, over coffee, She confided in me. Her stories mirrored my own. The feeling of an unseen presence, the sensation of someone sitting on her bed. We exchanged uneasy glances, a silent acknowledgement of the uncanny events taking place in our childhood home. We still don't know what to make of it. The old family Bible sits on the bookshelf, a relic of the past, its pages filled with scripture and strands of hair. But the house feels different now. It's as if we're sharing it with someone else. Someone we can't see. It's no longer just our home, it's theirs too. But who they are, we may never know. New to the group, so wanted to share an experience I had back in the spring of 2018. I have had a few what could be considered paranormal experiences in my life, but This was the most recent and unnerving. I am an avid outdoorsman and love to hunt and camp around the Francis Marion and Sumter National Forest. Back in 2018, I took my young son and dog out to a remote area in the National Forest to test out a new camper shell on my recently purchased truck. We found a secluded area off a dirt road, made dinner, and then packed it in for the night as soon as it got dark. Around 11 p.m. at night, I sat up and looked out the back of the truck due to my dog growling. In the distance, I saw what looked like hundreds of small white balls of light darting around, then hovering for a few seconds and slowly converging to our campsite. They looked just like the dust orbs you see on videos, but these were producing light in a completely dark forest. They soon surrounded my truck, seemed like hundreds of them. They were a soft white light, and they didn't blink. Light and bugs were out early evening, but those were yellow and blinking. After thirty minutes of them floating around and concentrating around us, I finally worked up the nerve to open the truck and lit a lantern, and they promptly disappeared. After turning off the lights and locking back up, they came back. My son was fast asleep, thank goodness. I watched them until I finally fell asleep around 1 a.m. The next morning, when we tried to leave, the battery was dead on the new truck. There wasn't any lights in the back cab where we would have used any power. A week later, I had to replace the electric control module. Not sure if that is relevant info, but thought I would add it. Has anyone had a similar experience? Just thinking about them again makes the hair stand up on my neck. always been told that I tend to sleep talk, but I never really believed it until my roommate complained about my constant chatter. Intrigued and a bit embarrassed, I decided to download an app to record my sleep talking, hoping to finally understand what I was saying during the night. I set up the app on my phone and placed it on my nightstand before going to bed. I must admit I was both curious and nervous about what I might hear the next morning. My sleep was restless filled with strange dreams and a feeling of unease. When I woke up, I hesitated for a moment before reaching for my phone. The app showed several recordings from throughout the night. I played the first one, and there I was, mumbling incoherently about some nonsense. I chuckled to myself, relieved that it was just harmless gibberish. But then I played the next recording. To my surprise... I heard a deep male voice speaking from what sounded like the other end of the room. My heart raced, and a chill ran down my spine. The voice was unfamiliar, and there was no way someone else could have been in my room. I live alone, and I always lock my doors and windows before going to bed. The voice in the recording was unnerving, speaking in a tone that sounded both menacing and oddly calm. I couldn't understand what the man was saying, but it felt like he was speaking directly at me, almost as if he was taunting me. I played the recording again and again, trying to figure out if there was some sort of logical explanation for it. But no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't come up with a rational reason for the voice. There was no one else in my apartment, and the voice was definitely not mine. I'm Joe. seasoned hunter and guide who has spent my entire life in the great outdoors of the Pacific Northwest. I've heard many tales of wendigos, but never saw one myself until that rainy day in November of 1995. I was camping with a few friends in a remote area near the Oregon-Washington border. We were sitting around the fire, trying to stay warm and dry, when we noticed a strange figure standing next to a tree. At first, we thought it was a doe, but... As it got closer, we realized it was something else entirely. The creature was about six half feet tall, with giant antlers and muscular shoulders. It looked like a bipedal doe. Its head was not pointy like some of the stories we had heard, but more human-like. It didn't move at all, just stared at us curiously. Mark, one of my friends, got up and approached the creature. As he got closer... It turned and walked away slowly, disappearing into the dense forest. We were all stunned, not sure what to make of what we had just seen. Later that evening we talked about it and tried to come up with an explanation. We knew that there were stories of wendigos in the area, but seeing one in person was a different experience entirely. The next day we heard about a man named Chet who was known to leave food out for the creatures in the area. We decided to pay him a visit and see if he had any insight into what we had seen. Chet was a Native American man who had lived in the area for most of his life. He told us about his encounters with Wendigo and how he believed they were peaceful creatures who just wanted to be left alone. After talking with Chet, we decided to do some investigating of our own. We spent several days in the area looking for any signs of Wendigo. We didn't find anything conclusive, but we did hear strange noises and saw footprints that could have belonged to the creature we saw. To this day, I'm still not sure what we saw that day in November. My name is John, and I work for the local newspaper in Oregon City. I was intrigued when I received a strange phone call from a man named Tony C claiming to have seen something unusual up in Apalkians, He spoke in hushed tones, as if afraid someone might be listening in on the conversation. Tony claimed that he and his friends had come across a family of creatures, and that they were unlike anything he had ever seen before. He didn't say the word Bigfoot, but the implication was clear. He offered to show me exactly where they were if I was interested. I tried calling Tony's number repeatedly, but there was no answer. Eventually, I decided to pass the information along to Peter Byrne, a renowned Bigfoot researcher. However, even he had no luck getting in touch with Tony. Days turned into weeks, and I had all but given up hope of ever learning more about Tony's encounter. But then one day, I received a call from a man named Steve Williams. Steve had spoken with Tony, and he was able to provide me with more details about the incident. It had occurred during bow-hunting season in September of 1995. Tony and his friends had been biking in the Wallace area when they came across a terrible smell, like something dead. Suddenly, a ten, twelve-foot-tall dark creature ran past them, making so much noise that Tony thought there must be several more of them nearby. He hadn't taken a shot at the creature itself, but at a shadow that he thought might have been one of the creature's. At first, Tony's boss had laughed off the incident, but later suggested he report it. That's when Tony had called me. I was fascinated by Tony's story, especially since it involved a sight in such close proximity to our town. I decided to dig deeper and eventually learn that there was a local Native American tribe in the area that had stories and legends about similar creatures... With this new information, I reached out to the tribe and was able to speak with an elder who had first-hand knowledge of these creatures, confirmed that they were indeed a part of their traditional stories, and that sightings had been reported by members of the tribe for many years. I knew that Tony's encounter might be met with skepticism by some, but I felt it was important to share his story with our community." Who knows what else might be out there waiting to be discovered. When I was younger, I worked as a ranger in Georgia Park. Most of my nights were spent instructing people not to leave out offerings for bears and other animals, but every now and again I got a call about rowdy teens or even roadier adults. It was thankless work, but dealing with the public often was one night i was leaning back in my chair listening to a podcast in a last ditch effort to stay awake the phone rang normally i relished the action the night shift was miserable without it but it was 30 degrees out tonight i had no registered campers the last thing i wanted to do was leave the central heating of my post to go and hunt down a group of kids that ran off to make out in the woods frustrated long before i had the chance to say hello I brought the phone to my ear, waiting for somebody to say something. However, no matter how I called to the other person, there was only heavy breathing in response. Nothing like a good old-fashioned prank call to make the hate of youth just a bit more than I already did. I hung up, resuming my podcast, content to doze off until morning. The prank caller had other plans. They called four times, only ever breathing heavier into the receiver. By the fifth call my patience was now at its end. I answered with sharp, What? Only to have it steamrolled by crying and begging, a muddled voice and very indecipherable, and I'd remember how long I spent trying to calm her down before she finally choked something out. By the river, please help. The line went dead because why wouldn't it have, and then nobody else called. All efforts to call her back were met with the telltale ring of a busy phone line. But by the river was too vague. The river stretched through most of the park. It would take hours to comb the area on my own. But when I realized it was my line that was cut, I had no other choice. I grabbed my shotgun off the wall, hoping almost desperately that it was a bear taking a break from hibernation to hassle a woman for her peanut butter sandwich and... Not another psychopath. Hello? Is anybody out there? I stood on the doorstep with my ear to the wind, hoping to get some kind of clue for what direction to head off into. I was met with... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European Linen I heaved a sigh of defeat and chose a direction at random. When I found her, I swore I'd give her a good old piece of my mind. And not only was it freezing, but the trails were pretty clear about getting near the river. They were endless deadly combinations lurking within their depths, and some said the dagger did not solely lie beneath the water. Some said that the gray woman walked along the banks, crying out for help in an effort to lead compassionate bystanders into the water a story I didn't necessarily believe. It was entertaining, nevertheless. The stories my co-workers came up with never ceased to tickle me. I was about thirty minutes away from the ranger station when I stepped on something squelching beneath my boots. It was hard to make out in the darkness, but as I knelt down before the mass, I realized exactly what I was dealing with. Someone's wet clothes sat in a heap. Discarded in a hurry in an effort to warm up after falling in. And the ice was rarely thick enough to bounce an acorn off, let alone pretend to be capable of holding a human's weight. So I could only wonder how anybody could have gotten so soaked. Even if they'd slid down the bank, there was no way they'd been submerged the way these garments suggested that they had been. I'd been about to start searching for blood trails when a voice came from the other trees. It was nothing more than a hiss. "'but sent my heart into overdrive. "'Either way, my first instinct was to haul it back where I came from "'to leave the whispers behind once and for all. "'But the shotgun in my hand was more than capable of turning a human into Swiss cheese, "'so I pushed forward. "'I called into the trees, "'demanding that the person hiding amongst the leafless branches come out with their hands up. "'When nothing happened, I called again, "'this time warning them that I'd shoot if they did not say something.' Stop screaming. She'll hear the voice from the trees didn't seem to understand the concept of packing heat. I could only wonder if she was in the throes of a psychotic break, and there was nothing else out there after all. Yet she was huddled amongst the vegetation, whimpering about some mysterious she. I was moments from threatening her with the cops when I heard the same voice from over the phone. It was just as hysterical as it had been, just as watery and hard to understand as it had been over the phone. If not for the icy hand on my wrist, I'd have followed the voice of the person I'd originally gone searching for. It was my job to help those in need on the trail, and I had no reason to hesitate, but the woman's hold was unbreakable in that moment, and her hissed warning to stay still made me think twice. I tried to help her. The woman told me her face was a breath away from my own, but she was as cold as the rocks along the river's edge. The heat that radiated from living beings was completely missing in her. But my attention went elsewhere, as the voice called for help again. And if you don't want to end up like me, you'll go back the way you came. I have no idea what to account for. I can only assume this was the poltergeist of a woman who had passed. So I just got home and it's dark outside, and I look up and there a light going across the sky. Kind of slow, but also kind of fast, maybe a little faster than an airplane, but it didn't have a blinking light on, and it was very bright. If I'm not mistaken, it's illegal to fly a plane without a blinking light on. And then I look, and there are five or six more light behind it, but they're not as bright, and they're going a little slower. Then out of nowhere, the bright one just disappears, and then so does a few of the dim ones. And then one of the dim ones stops and starts like shaking and going back and forth and then they all just disappear. I I thought maybe it was a military thing or maybe drones, but I don't think drones can be as bright as that one UFO I saw. What do you guys think it was? I used to live the middle of nowhere. I would go on walks with my newborn to calm him down day or night. We had a mile-long private road that ran along a national forest. There are very few, if any, dangerous-type animals, so I felt relatively safe taking these walks. One night my baby was very fussy, and so he was whining quite a bit as fussy babies do. I put on my baby carrier, strapped him in, and off we went. This carrier allowed me to be hands-free on our walks, and he laid against my chest, so he was comfortable and could still look around a bit. We were walking along in the dark with the flashlight off as the moon was bright when I heard noises in the woods. I soon realized we were being stalked that the only animals that might behave that way in that area would be coyotes, and it's extremely rare they would attack an adult. I started talking loudly, nothing important, just describing things around me in a tone that was loud but wouldn't scare my baby. I heard them shifting in the woods as I walked along, so I turned my flashlight to the woods, and sure enough. I saw a set of eyes glowing back at me. I can only assume they thought to see if they could get my baby. They must have recognized his noises as a much smaller creature they could take advantage of. We finished the walk without incident, though they continued to stalk us for quite a ways. I've run across coyotes many times, and they've not always shown fear, but they've never followed me like that before or since. There wasn't much I could do either. If I ran, they might have attacked, and I'm not sure how many there were, and I was already on the way back, so continuing to walk while making my own loud noise seemed the thing to do. I often wonder how long they were there before I noticed. I think that's the most creepy thing about it for me. I took a gun each time after that, but I never saw or heard anything again. Went to college in South Georgia, and... Possibly the creepiest thing I came across was twofold. Some friends and I went camping in the woods a few miles outside of town and used a game trail we found to get to a decent clearing. On the way, we found what looked like an after-prom night party. Two broken couches, empty bottles, and some used condoms. That wasn't super weird until we found what looked to be a few dozen empty shell casings and holes in said catch. Fast forward eight hours and a good twenty-minute drive to another area and we are settling in for the night eating some soup and cornbread. That's when we hear what sounded like a mix between a dog growling and a bobcat growl. We looked out into the trees and saw nothing for a solid minute. So we figure. It was nothing and go back to eating. Until an hour later, when we hear it again only closer, and when we start looking into the dark, my buddy pointed to a pair of green eyes, staring right at us. Couldn't make out the shape other than it had to be on four legs. It stared at us for a bit, and then turned and moved away without a sound. We didn't want to trick the three miles back to the truck, so we stuck it out and hoped for the best. I was at my friend's house, who lived in a pretty rural area. It wasn't miles between houses or anything, but there was a lot of forest and land behind all the houses, and a good size of distance between houses. The closest house to his was across the street. His other neighbors were a good distance away, along a windy road. We would go through the woods frequently, exploring and just having fun. One day we were out for a few hours, and it was starting to get dark. We had hit up a bunch of places neither he or I had been to, and at that point it was time to head home. Unfortunately, the path we took got us into some more unfamiliar territory. We were walking down what had once been an old river or stream. That was tried up, and a giant tree fell onto across it. We made our way around the tree and started to climb up when we heard gunshots. We chalked it up to someone hunting in the distance, because it was definitely not close but we started to hustle to get up the bank. It was getting much darker by this point, and we were tired. Then we heard more gunshots, and this time they were closer. Then dogs barking. I think those were scarier than the gunshots, honestly, especially since those were definitely getting closer and quickly. We started to book it as fast as we could through this unfamiliar area, listening to dogs catching up to us. I don't think the shots were going off anymore, thankfully, but we were not extremely far from the pursuing pups. Thankfully, we got to the road. It was dark and getting darker by the moment. We stopped running and just hiked up the road towards his house. It probably took us ten minutes to get home. It was obviously his neighbor since we ended up on their property, but it was still creepy that someone was shooting at and sending their dogs after us. I'll never forget that fateful day when two of my friends and I went on a hunting trip in a secluded forest to chase after pheasants. Little did we know that this adventure would lead me to an encounter that defied all explanation and left me feeling both perplexed and mocked. As we set out on our hunt we soon separated to cover more ground. I went on my own path following the faint smell of something rotten that lingered in the air. Curiosity got the best of me, and I decided to follow the odor, wondering if there might be a carcass nearby. As I ventured deeper into the woods, the forest grew darker, and an uneasy feeling settled over me. The smell grew stronger, leading me towards a clearing where the sun barely penetrated the dense canopy of trees. It was in that dim light that I saw it, a creature unlike anything I had ever encountered, The creature had a humanoid-shaped head with jet-black, soulless eyes staring back at me. Its back was hunched, and its mouth stretched open as if it were screaming in eternal agony. My heart raced as I tried to make sense of what I was seeing. The creature appeared pale and sickly, almost anorexic in appearance, and its movements were unnatural and unsettling. As I observed it from a distance, it suddenly moved with incredible speed almost as if it were gliding. Its leg joints were inverted and bent in the opposite direction, making its movements seem otherworldly and disturbing. Fear and adrenaline surged through my veins as I instinctively raised my rifle, aiming directly at the bizarre creature. My hands trembled as I pulled the trigger, the loud gunshot shattering the eerie silence of the forest, but to my disbelief the bullet passed right through the creature as if it were a ghost. The creature didn't react at all. It merely vanished into the darkness of the forest, leaving me puzzled and bewildered. When my friends eventually returned to the spot where we had agreed to meet, I couldn't contain myself. I eagerly recounted the bizarre encounter I had just experienced. I expected them to be as astonished and concerned as I was, but instead they burst into laughter, thinking I was playing some kind of practical joke. Their mocking made my frustration grow, and I couldn't understand why they didn't take me seriously. I knew what I saw, and it was no joke. But without any evidence to back up my story, I couldn't blame them entirely for their skepticism. As we continued our hunt and eventually returned home, the memory of that strange creature haunted my thoughts. I questioned my own sanity, wondering if the isolation and excitement of the hunt had conjured up some hallucination. But deep down I knew what I saw was real. I may never find an explanation for that encounter in the secluded forest, and my friends might continue to laugh it off as a tall tale. But one thing's for sure. I'll forever remain intrigued by the unknown and the mysteries that lie hidden in the darkness of those woods When I was a kid through my older teen years, I used to get what I called night fright. So my parents' house is in the middle of nowhere. They own 13 acres themselves, and they do have neighbors, but usually you only hear gunshot. Maybe yelps, woo. You sometimes hear your neighbors, but rarely see them. So when I would stay at home alone, I'd hear music or talking. Music I didn't recognize or voices I didn't recognize. I'd walk outside to see if I could find out who was playing polka music, which I did hear a couple times, but no music outside. I'd keep the dogs inside with me, lock the doors, and sit and watch TV. Then once my parents would come back, I'd tell them about it. They never heard it, until after I'd moved out, my dad thought I'd imagined it. One summer night he heard polka music in the house, never outside. I'd always decided it was my imagination. I never figured out who it was, but I sometimes heard it when no one lived in those houses and never outside. This is actually something my dad experienced, and he told this story many times throughout my childhood because it's always perplexed him. Growing up, my dad loved to go camping with his friends. When he was about six, his parents let him stay in a shed with his friend in the friend's backyard overnight. They woke up to a pin-sized light zipping around the wall above them in the middle of the night. It was white, but about the size of a laser pointer. This was in the early sixties. They both got up and the light stopped on the center of the wall. The shed was steel. They put their hands over it and it disappeared. As they pulled away, it didn't reflect onto them. It suddenly jumped over to the other wall, and same phenomenon occurred. They opened the door and walked around the shed. Neither could find anything causing this light. They went back in, but as soon as they laid down the light, started zipping around again. They finally went into the house to sleep. They slept in the shed a few months later, and nothing happened. They never had an explanation for the light. So it was a year ago I was living in El Paso near Fort Bliss because my dad was in the army. I had gone to New Mexico to visit an old girlfriend and was driving home. Now, if you're around this location, you know how long of empty stretches there are with only mountains around you. Anyway, I'm driving back in my father's old Beamer. He bought a new truck for himself and gifted me old and reliable car. Now, as I'm driving, I watch a nice Monte Carlo slow down in front of me and take a right down a dirt path after I pass. Nothing strange at the moment, just the people are going hiking or something in the middle of the night. It was late, going on one in the morning. As I'm driving, the car breaks down so I have to pull over. Pissed, I get out and check the engine, seeing if I could do anything, but it was too dark to get a good look and I figured it finally died. I pop it in neutral and ride it far off the side of the road and figure I can call for a ride. Of course, no signal in the middle of the desert. So I figure, hell, if I have to walk probably six miles to the next town, I'm, I'm getting drunk, so I get a bottle of Jack out of my trunk and start walking. Luckily for me, I grabbed it because it was freezing and it made up for my lack of warm clothes. I walk for maybe three miles when a car pulls up next to me. Guess what it was, yeah... "'A red Monte Carlo. "'Inside are two guys. "'Maybe thirty each, "'one with a ton of tattoos "'and looks a bit younger, "'and the other with styled black hair "'and a gold chain and watch. "'Had a brief conversation going, "'something like, "'Ah, man, was that your beamer "'up the road driver with gold train? "'Yeah, or other piece of shit broke down. "'He looks past me, kind of. "'What'd you throw in the ditch "'when we pulled up? "'I'd throw the bottle "'thinking it was a cop. "'Some whiskey.' They both laugh, and he says, "'Shit, easy you need a ride,' I laugh as well, saying, "'Hell yeah, I get the bottle and hop in the back.' These two sons of bitches drink their asses off driving me into town and get me plastered. Yet even in my drunken hastiness, I didn't fail to realize the tattooed one was sweaty, like he had been working and was covered in dirt along with something rattling in the trunk while we turned in town. "'Nothing happened to me except getting wasted in a ride to a near town and getting an Uber home.' Yet I still believe that there was a shovel in the trunk, and the two men just finished burying someone and were excited to find some alcohol to celebrate with.